Hey, Disney fans, looking for the latest Disney news and interviews with some of Disney's biggest stars? Have we got the podcast for you. Welcome to D23 Inside Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. I'm Tony from Good Morning America. And I'm Jeffrey from D23. And together we're taking you Inside Disney. Hello, hello. Ho, 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 hello. <laughs> Howdy. Hey, so good to see everyone. I just have to start by saying so many people reached out about last week's podcast with Haley, yes. uh, Stacey Bray, Mark My Words on Twitter, Melanie Jackson Osborne on the IG. Just thank you all so much for everyone who reaches out to us on the socials. We really appreciate it. You know, who we also appreciate is Eric Goldberg, who is coming up on the show, the uh, legendary animator here to talk about Drawn to Life, but he also tells some great stories from the creation of Aladdin, as well as doing the latest round of Goofy Shorts. So, so much great stuff. And if only our listeners could see Tony in his festive Hawkeye sweater, he is so in the spirit. <laughs> I know. Oh, thank you very much. Oh my gosh. And you've got the frozen background. You've got the Hawkeye sweater. You're looking extremely festive. It's so fun. The holidays are here and we are not playing around with our <laughs> team Zooms, let me tell you. Amazing. And speaking of Hawkeye. Yes. Are we caught up, Jeffrey? Almost. <laughs> I am almost caught up. It has been a week, Tony. I'm, we're, we're back. The holidays are back. Absolutely. Well, again, no spoilers, but really enjoying Hawkeye. Super fun. Love I just it. can't stop looking at your sweater. It's so fun. Mesmerizing. <laughs> I wish people there's, could see it. There's a lot going it. on. I'll have to post something on, on the Instagram. And Sherry? I am still chipping away at the Beatles Get Back on Disney+. Plus. You guys, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's all super good. And I want to make sure I'm taking it in. You know, it's not just idle in the background. I got to give it my full attention. I love so, that. So, uh... Who knows? Maybe I will binge it all in one day, just like I have done for past things that I also love. So uh, stay tuned. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> How about you? I went down to Disneyland and I got to enjoy the candlelight celebration, which was amazing. Sterling K. Brown was just incredible. His delivery was so, it was just beautiful. And I love watching that. And I love just enjoying the parks at the holidays. It's so beautiful. I got to stroll around, did Viva Navidad over at Disney California Adventure, got my photo with Mirabelle. Yeah. And we watched the the whole cavalcade that comes by and, and the music and the dancing. It's just fantastic. <laughs> Enjoyed Believe in Holiday Magic, the fireworks, which just, you know, I missed so much. It's been two years since I've seen them. <laughs> And perhaps Sherry, best of all, something that I discovered at the Harbor Galley. I went to enjoy a lobster roll, but I, I went with AJ and AJ got the lobster mac and cheese bowl. Oh. A lobster mac and cheese bowl. And I thought, how amazing will this be? The answer is very. Oh my gosh. Wow, I best. don't think it is a permanent menu item. I believe it may be seasonal, maybe holiday, may have just been for that day. I don't know. But run, don't walk if you want to try the incredible lobster mac and cheese bowl at Disneyland at the Harbor Galley. Oh my gosh. I, I don't right know if now. Zoom is picking up on this, but I just about drooled on my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> that oh. sounds 
so good. And speaking of Disneyland, our friends at Disneyland just announced the return of Disneyland After Dark coming back for winter and spring of 2022. The events, those after hours park events, fun themes, fun food, fun entertainment, just fun in general. So they're coming back. So the Sweethearts Night is coming back for five nights in February. There'll be the jazz ensemble on the Mark Twain, which I love. A lot of cute stuff for romantic couples, perhaps some sassy singles, not quite sure. (laughs) Disney Villains Night is coming back for two nights in March, including March 10th, which happens to be D23's anniversary, the 13th anniversary. And I think for the unlucky 13th anniversary, it's perfect for Villains Night. And Star Wars Night's coming back for three nights, including May the 4th. So you can check out the Disney Parks blog for all the details on what is coming to Disneyland After Dark. Wow. Well, don't worry, because you won't be left in the dark on this piece of Disneyland news. (laughs) Limited time festivals are coming back to Disneyland Resort in 2022, including the Lunar New Year celebration at Disney California Adventure Park and the Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Festival, two of my all-time faves. I'm super looking forward to this. Yes. Lunar New Year, that festival runs January 21st through February 13th, and you can celebrate the traditions of Chinese, Korean, and Vietnamese cultures. There are going to be all kinds of multicultural performances, special activities, beautiful decor. Yes, there will be merch. And of course, I'm saving the best for last. There will be culinary delights. Of course. Amazing. And it's the year of the tiger. So of course, you'll get to see Tigger, as well Mm. as Mulan and Mushu, Mickey and Minnie, the three little pigs, and so many more characters all in their festive attire. And this is super thrilling news. Raya is going to appear for the first time at the resort at the Redwood Creek Challenge Trail. Yes. Mm. Very cool. And then... March 4th through April 26th is Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Festival. There's going to be a dozen festival marketplaces with a whole assortment of mouth-watering bites and beverages. Just thinking about it, again, will make me drool on my keyboard, so I got to move on. (laughs) (laughs) And there will be complimentary culinary demonstrations, too, with local celebrity and Disney chefs and so, so much more. A lot to look forward to next year. Mm that well speaking of next year some great news from abc for us you guys the network has announced their schedule of new and returning shows this is also my favorite time of the year when this happens Um, but starting (laughs) in january we're getting a new season of the bachelor clayton is his name y'all just in case you didn't know and the return of Queens, The Wonder Years, Home Economics, and the final season of Blackish. Mm-hmm. Oh, such a good show. Such a good along, show. I know, along with brand new shows like Abbott Elementary, Women of the Movement, and The Promised Land. But before we get there, final episodes are still to come in the next few weeks for shows like Grey's Anatomy, Station 19, The Good Doctor, The Full Slate, all at abc.com. So much to watch, so many things. So many things. Speaking (laughs) of things to watch, one of the objectively funniest shows of all time is coming to Freeform, you guys. All nine seasons of The Office are coming starting Saturday, January 1st, 2022. To celebrate, Freeform is going to air two marathons over New Year's weekend starting January 1st. So that Saturday, there's going to be a countdown of the 30 best episodes as determined by fans and by all kinds of publications. 
I can only hope that threat level midnight and the dinner party episodes are included. If you are fellow Office fans, DM me. And then on Sunday, Freeform is going to air a second marathon of episodes showcasing cast faves. And then after that, The Office is going to air Monday through Thursday, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. So there'll be lots of Office coming to Freeform. I'm so excited. So amazing. Fun. Well, something that I know my niece Dylan is very excited for. In fact, it was the shriek of delight heard around the world when it was announced <laughs> that the season two premiere of Disney Channel's Secrets of Sulphur Springs is January 14th. She has maybe set every alarm clock in her house. She's very excited <laughs> as Harper and Griffin unravel new mysteries about the Tremont in season two. So that'll be available on Disney Channel. And the first season is currently available on Disney Plus and Disney Now. But you know what's available also right now almost? <laughs> Five fantastic things to watch this weekend, courtesy of our friends at D23, the official Disney fan club. For complete details, visit D23.com. Tony, what's up first? Well, get ready for a holiday episode of Shark Tank, Friday, December 10th at 8 p.m. on ABC. The sharks in this episode are Mark Cuban, Barbara Corcoran, Kevin O'Leary, Lori Greiner, and Damon John. All of your faves. Indeed. Uh, and new to the Disney Plus library on Friday, December 10th is Tron Legacy, uh, continuing the incredible Tron saga, which was written by my pals, Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, who also created Once Upon a Time. So uh, tune in and check that out. Oh, of course they're your pals. Jeffrey, I've, <laughs> it's, I feel like it's been a while <laughs> since I've teased you about everyone you know. Oh. Okay. Toy Story Marathon. That's up next. It's part of 25 Days of Christmas on Freeform. It is on Saturday, December 11th. Start with Toy Story 2, follow up with 3, go back to 2, watch 3 again, and then end the marathon with Toy Story 4. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And on Sunday, head over to FX starting at 5.30 p.m. Eastern for a Home Alone marathon. Watch both of the Home Alone films. And then, hey, head over to Disney Plus and may as well watch Home Sweet Home Alone while you're at it. Oh, good idea. And cap off the weekend with a holiday episode of Supermarket Sweep on Sunday, mm -hmm. December 12th at 9 p.m. Eastern on ABC. There will be shopping. There will be games. There will be ugly holiday sweaters. You don't want to miss it. On to today's guest. This man is an animation legend, having worked on such Disney animated classics as Aladdin, Pocahontas, Fantasia 2000, Hercules, Moana, and The Princess and the Frog. He was one of the incredible talents featured in One Day at Disney, and he recently directed the charming and very timely Disney Presents Goofy and How to Stay at Home. And his masterful work is represented in the first ever Disney-themed Cirque du Soleil show, Drawn to Life, being presented at Disney Springs at Walt Disney World. Please welcome to the show, Eric Goldberg. Thank you very much. Yay! Eric, it's so great to have you. Tell us a little bit about the story of Drawn to Life. Well, Michel Lepreis, who came up with the story, he is the director and creator of the show. He came up with the story and pitched it to a bunch of us at Disney. And he had approached Imagineering about the possibility of Disney and Cirque du Soleil collaborating. So they came to the studio, did a deep dive into the animation process and pitched us the story. And one thing that I found was that they were very, very diligent about understanding the animation process. And that helped them formulate the basic plot of the story. They already had it, they had it in place. 
you know, and I have to say the first time that Michelle pitched it, you know, I was very moved, you know, a story about a father and a daughter. And of course, I have two daughters, both of whom were raised in an animation household. And the story about dad being an animator and kind of passing the torch to his daughter it resonates with me. Absolutely. And it was just a, a joy to work with them. And it was a very collaborative process back and forth. You know, first of all, we had an animation trust, so to speak. So a group of us would meet with Michelle and Fabrice and talk about certain clips that they might use, you know, to highlight certain aspects of what was going on on stage and generally the content of the animation. And they gave me a pretty free hand, I have to say, in creating a lot of the animation content. But again, that was very, very collaborative, you know, so there were certain things that got changed along the way. So for example, in the comforting sheets section, that's a section where Julie is really down in the dumps and sheets of animation paper come over and try to cheer her up. And on those sheets of animation paper are some of our beloved characters. And I kind of storyboarded that, but originally, you know, we back and forth over which characters to be included and so on and so forth. And everybody weighed in. Originally, Jiminy Cricket was actually going to be the host of that sequence. And it was decided largely by Bob Chapek, why don't we use Baloo? So, you know, after uh, a few more revisions, we got Baloo in there as our kind of ringleader in that sequence. And Throughout, there were certain things where they would describe what they want. Part of it was a detective story. You know, for those of you who don't know the basic plot, Dad has left Julie a challenge. It's an unfinished scene of animation. And the challenge is for her to finish the scene. Mm. So mm -hmm. by the end of the show you find out how julie finishes the scene and i'm not going to give anything away no spoilers, <laughs> no, no, spoilers. no spoilers no spoilers but it incorporates that piece of animation that dad left for her and mm. and i kind of came up with that solution you know in my early storyboards and everybody went for it it was just one of those things where I was so glad to work with the Cirque team and really, you know, feel like it was a personal project for me as much as it was for everybody else. Wow. Okay. So we heard a bit about how you got to Baloo, but how did you land on other characters who appear in the show like Ola? Well, you know, first of all, the show is clearly a celebration of hand-drawn animation, classic Disney hand-drawn animation. But I think everybody wanted to include characters that are more modern as well. So we decided to put Olaf in there and also Baymax, but in hand-drawn versions, both of whom actually were animated by the great Randy Haycock. He did a fantastic job. And, you know, we do our homework on these things. So Randy really studied Baymax's movements and Olaf's movements and all that kind of stuff. I had a hand in how I storyboarded that sequence. Hmm. And how long did you work on the animation for the show? 
uh, you know, uh, this is not going to be an accurate answer, but <laughs> probably about a year doing the animation on this. Wow. You touched on this a little, but Olaf and Baymax were traditionally created as three-dimensional characters. What adjustments did you make to put these characters into the 2D world and still have them connect with audiences? Well, it's interesting because we often have the reverse these days of taking 2D characters and making them 3D. And the key to both is that they have to move and act like the characters. You have to recognize that they are those characters no matter which way they're being represented. To a certain extent, we had a kind of trial run on Get a Horse starring Mickey Mouse, where we had to make sure that the Mickey Mouse we saw on faux 1928, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cartoon had to be the same as the Mickey Mouse in the 3D space in CG. They both had to move and act exactly the same way so you knew it was always the same character. And there are certain things that animators pick up on, you know, Randy in particular, say for Baymax, you know, picked up on that shuffle that Baymax does mm -hmm. as he walks backwards and forwards mm -hmm. and picked up on things like his little wave, <laughs> like... <laughs> I wish our listeners could see you pantomiming these movements right now because it's really great. <laughs> these are the things that we all try to observe in terms of getting the characters to be the characters. And of course, the other thing that's part and parcel of this process is having those characters interact with the live actors on stage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to be sure of eye lines. You have to take pauses to make sure that the live performer can react in time and so on and so forth. It all has to be coordinated very, very carefully. So it just looks natural by the time you see it on stage. But yeah, we would basically try and do the same kinds of things that those characters would do in their CG versions. So for example, okay, you're talking about Olaf, you know, and we went to Hiram Osmond and some of the other people who worked on the original Olaf in Frozen. And, you know, we would get, how should I put it, key points to Olaf's movement. So for example, his arms are twigs. So we don't really bend them unless we have to, you know, it's one of those things where we had to leave them twigs. And you incorporate those things into the hand-drawn animation so it feels like who the character is. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you touched on this a little bit, but in the show, characters are all reacting to a real human, which is very reminiscent of one of my faves, Mary Poppins. You mentioned <laughs> matching eye lines. Is there a different approach to that kind of interactive animation? Actually, that's a really good question. And yes, there is. Because in something like Mary Poppins, you're still dealing with flat images. You're dealing with one eye and you are dealing with, you know, which way it looks like Mary is looking and how you have to draw the penguin to look at her and so on and so forth. In this case, you're dealing in physical three-dimensional space. So you have to make sure that that eye line is going to work in that space, you know, so... You have to be able to see from various angles in the audience that they're still connecting, 
you know, and we did early tests, you know, with the animation and with the Julie performers and, you know, saw that it would, thank goodness, that it was going to (laughs) work, you know, and a lot of it was determined. I did a very complex animatic for some of these sequences and a lot of it was staged in there so we knew where Julie was going to be, whether she was going to be on the ground, whether she was going to be standing up. And of course, things change as you get things on a physical stage. But for the most part, we had the characters looking in the right directions and emoting the right way too. You know, if Julie is sad, you might be able to look at Baloo and see Baloo going, oh, you know? (laughs) And so there are all sorts of interactive things that go on there where the characters are concerned for the live performer and vice versa. Hmm. So you mentioned Randy. Can you talk about some of the other fantastic animators working on the project with you? Well, Mark Hen, basically it was the three of us who worked on this. And, you know, aside from Mark animated Mrs. Potts, for example, and all of us did kind of under the hood animation, if you will. I'll tell you what I mean by that. There are moments where, for example, we have to have the characters dancing around in a loop. So we would take that original animation and make it into a loop, even if the original was not a loop. (laughs) And, And make it work technically. And we have a wonderful fellow named Brandon Block who actually technically made sure that that stuff was going to work, that you could use it as a cycle rather than say Beast and Belle dancing all the way across the floor, you know. I think Mark did Tiana and Naveen. Of course, Mark animated Tiana in the original Princess and the Frog. Basically, we cast ourselves (laughs) in different ways, you know, for what seemed to be the best for us to handle. Wow. Now, I was very, very lucky, and uh, in the before times, I had the chance to go to your office and see some of the animation, and I I got really teary, even without seeing Julie actually interacting with the characters, just seeing their reactions. What is the secret to being able to evoke such emotion with literally just a pencil and paper? Boy, that's a question for the ages, but to be honest, I think it has to start with the animators believing in the characters. You have to believe that these are real personalities who exist, who have their own emotions, and you have to convey that to the audience. It's a way of showing that they are engaged and empathize with the live performers Mm. and vice versa, that there is interaction that goes on. And we do this kind of stuff all the time, except it kind of goes unnoticed. I mean, I'll give you an example. Big Maui and Mini Maui, his tattoo, have a relationship in Moana. They absolutely have a relationship, but Mini Maui doesn't speak. But you know what he is thinking by the way that he moves and you know when he's downcast and you know when he's being a smart aleck and you know all of this stuff and you can see Big Maui reacting to that and Mm -hmm. I think you know that's something that they've been doing since Snow White you know the studio has always 
specialized in great pantomime characters who can be emotional. If you go from dopey, you know, to the carpet in Aladdin, mm -hmm. to Minnie Maui, you've got this through line of characters that aren't speaking, but you know exactly what they're thinking and feeling. And a lot of that has to do with their timing, their body language. You know, we use things like, uh, we call it a line of action. It's really like the character's spine. So if your character is sad, you might have the character droop over a little bit with his line of action, you know? And if the character is proud, you might have that line of action different and the back is arched in an opposite way and so on and so forth. And so you're physicalizing emotional content in the drawings. Wow, that is incredible. Okay, well, switching <laughs> gears to Goofy and how to stay at home, the shorts are great, super funny, and they're on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> how long did it take to create them? It probably took us the better part of a year, maybe nine months, let's say nine months. I believe I presented it to Jennifer Lee and, and Clark Spencer in November of 2020. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the time, the idea was hot. Personally, I still think it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's still relevant, but it took us a while. There was only a tiny crew of us. And again, the three animators, you know, Randy, Mark, and myself. And in that particular case, we each took one. So Randy animated Learning to Cook, Mark animated Binge Watching, and I animated How to Wear a Mask. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> so <funny. laughs> and so it's, you know, it's a kind of thing where instead of just carving up the scenes like you normally do on a feature or another large job, it was nice to be able to have ownership of a particular sequence mm. that way. Wow. And I, I cannot undervalue the, um, the contribution of our cleanup artists, Rachel Bibb and Lurleen Kohler, who actually do all of our cleanup, unless it's so volumetric, we have to get some help. But mm. they cleaned up every drawing on those goofy cartoons. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. You've worked on so many classic and beloved films. I'm sure it's like asking you to pick a favorite of your two daughters, but <laughs> I have to ask, do you have a favorite character that you've worked on? I would have to say the genie. The genie's my good luck charm. I mean, really, it was my first Disney gig ever. And, you know, I kind of landed on my feet and it was great. I had gotten to know John Musker prior to my arrival at Disney because my wife Susan went to CalArts with him and she had introduced me mm. a few years earlier. And we kind of kept up a mutual admiration society while I was in London and he was in California. When Mermaid was coming out, I called him and I said, so uh, how is it? Did, did you stick with the original ending, you know, from Hans Christian Andersen? And John's reply was, it's Disney, there's fish. So <laughs> <laughs> that said, according to Ron, however, the queen of Norway, I guess it was, actually preferred the new ending. So <laughs> Good. in any event, time came you know, for me to, to go to Disney, they made me an offer, but I didn't know I was going to get the genie, you know, and so I was given the script to read. And one of the talents that John Musker and Ron Clements have 
is to actually write the script in the voice of the actor they would like to cast. So mm -hmm. it was clear just from reading the script that they wanted Robin Williams. I go in and I'm hoping, I hope they give me the genie. I hope they give me the genie. I hope they, so he says, oh, we're thinking of giving you the genie. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah, thanks. Playing it all cool. <laughs> Playing it all cool. <laughs> After I left their office, I was so excited that I realized I had locked myself out of my rental car and they had to call security to break me in. <laughs> Thus my inauspicious start at Disney oh, no. Animation. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh wow wow that is amazing oh my gosh all right well d23 members and people who came to d23 expo in 2017 will remember that you did the stunning hirschfeld inspired drawing of some of the disney legends in honor of the 50th anniversary of the awards was there a favorite celebrity you got to draw for that portrait oh boy actually funny enough the first one that comes to my mind is robin williams Aww. You know, mm -hmm. he will always stay fresh in my mind. And that is the one caricature in that whole drawing that I didn't need a photograph for. Mm. <laughs> I just did that one from memory and I felt like I got him. But it was so much fun doing some of the others. I mean, I enjoyed doing Dean Jones and Buddy Hackett. <laughs> I enjoyed yeah. doing the Golden Girls. You know, it was all so much fun mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And, and thank you again, Jeffrey, for setting me up with that. <laughs> it was my pleasure. I could not think of anyone better to do that. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, you can go to d23.com or go to the Google and find it. But it's a masterful work of art that Eric put together. Wow. All right, Eric, we love to do lightning rounds of Disney favorites with some of our guests. For you, we're going deep on Disney animation. Only rule is that you cannot pick a project that you've directly worked on, okay. which is going to be difficult since you've worked on so, 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 so many. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a geek, so I love it all. <laughs> Good. Okay. Favorite animated movie? Gumbo. Ooh, Without hesitation, goodness. Dumbo. In a little over an hour, it packs in so much emotion and it's so heartfelt and yet also funny, cartoony, experimental with pink elephants on parade. I mean, mm -hmm. it's great. Mm -hmm. And we used to be friends with Joe Grant when he was oh, around. Okay. And Joe, of course, was one of the writers on Dumbo. And Walt was in his visit Latin America period at the time Dumbo was being made and he came back and he saw it completed and Joe said to him any changes and he goes nope it's perfect oh, wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so. favorite Disney character oh boy oh boy it's a tough one I love so many of them I mean as an iconic character who I think represents animation so purely, Mickey Mouse. Aw. You know, can't go wrong. I think Mickey is animation. Well, we'll let you have that, Eric, even though you did work on Get A Horse. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm talking about the Freddie Moore, Les Clark, Ward Kimball, Mickey Mouse that was done in the late 30s, early 40s. That stuff was fantastic mm. if i had to pick a character from the features probably baloo Aww. and probably Aww. ollie johnston's animation of baloo in bare necessities 
which I tried very hard to channel for Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> All right, favorite sidekick. Oh boy, I'd say Jiminy Cricket. I think he's a lot of people's favorite sidekick. Great answer. You know, and he's kind of the perfect one. He really is. Well, you worked on it, so you couldn't have said this one, but I would have, of course, picked <laughs> my spirit animal, Hey Hey. But I, <laughs> which is on Jeffrey's shirt right now, for those who cannot see. <laughs> you know, Hey Hey almost didn't make it into the picture. Do you know that? I do, but you can you can share the story because okay. it's a great one. I mean, his animator Adam Green, you know. Uh, put it this way you know he was kind of on life support there because they couldn't figure out how to use them and then all of a sudden they figured out the key on how to keep hey hey in the movie which is drop his intelligence down to zero (laughs) 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 and he became a character everybody loved (laughs) wow it worked it did work (laughs) all right eric favorite disney song Oh boy, when you wish upon a star. Oh, it's such an iconic Disney song. It speaks beyond the film that it's in. I think for a lot of people, you know, that might be the iconic Disney song. Favorite Mm -hmm. theme park attraction based on an animated movie. Mm. Oh boy, 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 boy. That's a tough one. That's really a tough one because some of the ones that I love are ones that were created specifically for the theme parks. You know, I mean, I love the Alice in Wonderland ride because it's got so much Mary Blair in it, you know, in terms of the design. And, you know, it's always fun to see a three-dimensional version of something that was created in hand-drawn or in 2D and just to see that design realized in physical space this is really, really fun. Very reminiscent of Drawn to Life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And last but not least, we ask everyone this question. Favorite Disney memory? Oh, boy. Okay. I think my favorite Disney memory, and this is going to sound silly, is my brother Elliot and I being in our pajamas and bathrobes at the drive-in watching the release of 101 Dalmatians. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, it's certainly a bygone, you know, incident that most people won't have experienced these days. Not many drive-ins left anymore, but that was special. The movie had just opened and, you know, the whole family went to see it at the drive-in and it's one of my favorite Disney pictures. Absolutely. And I think oh, that might be my favorite memory. memory. I know. <laughs> oh, I love it. So I sweet. love when it ties into family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eric, thank you. It is always so great to see you. I can't wait to see you in person one of these days. Congratulations on the goofy shorts. Congratulations on Drawn yes. to Life. Eric, thank you so much. Just thank you for just animating our lives. Nah, you're very kind. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So Sherry, I know you and I had the chance to meet Eric last year mm-hmm. when we were in Walt Disney World and so nice, such a great guy. And so that nice. show, so spectacular. It was just, just incredible. Ah, oh, I got to see it. Mm. Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. 
And for all the latest Disney news, check out d23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.